There are a million ways to make money in the food service industry. You just have to find one. On the Titans of Food Service podcast, I interview real life movers and shakers in the food game who cut through all the noise to get to the top. My name is Nick Portillo and welcome to the Titans of Food Service podcast. Let's jump right into it. Welcome back to the Titans of Food Service podcast. This is episode number seven. Today, I invite a true Texan, the president of Lakeland Marketing, Bobby Simmerhansel. Lakeland Marketing is one of the largest food service brokers in the country. Now, don't let his Texas twang fool you. He is one of the great minds in the food service industry with over 27 individual markets. He has built a force to be reckoned with. Please join me in welcoming Bobby Simmerhansel to the Titans of Food Service podcast. Bobby, welcome to the Titans of Food Service podcast. I am so excited to have you here today. You have built an amazing career in food service, and you've built one of the largest food service brokerage companies in the country. Thank you for joining me here today. Hey, thanks for having me, Nick. Appreciate it. Good to see you. So let's jump right into it. How did you get into the food service industry? So it's funny, Nick, you and I have a similar story. You know, when I was in college, uh, man, I was like 19 years old. My dad, well, actually before that, he got this crazy idea to open up a brokerage business. Obviously, that means broke for, for many years, but he, uh, he started to cut me up out of his, uh, you know, out of his house and I joined the company a couple of years later. He, you know, uh, it was time to add into some people. And he came to me while I was still in college and asked if I wanted to join. I said, sure, I'd love to, man. I mean, it's uh, it seems like a great gig. And I started with the company in 1990 and I've been uh, been here since. I love that. And when you and your dad were starting off, what were some of the stumbling blocks or challenges that you had? Well, when we, when we started out, it was everything was a stumbling block. You know, he was so busy working and on the phone back then in the, you know, 80s, he was on the phone the whole time. There was no training. I mean, he just said, son, go out and be an operator specialist. And I said, well, what is an operator specialist? You know, he says, go out and sell stuff. And that's really the way that we learned. And back then it was just, you go out and you just hammer it and you grind it. The challenges were everything. I mean, everything was a challenge to get started on a business from zero to where you're having to add and keep going, it's impossible to do. Financial problems, you know, you got you know, trying to figure it out. You're small, so can you support a vendor? So there was so many different issues, but but I'll tell you, it was the probably the funnest time of my career is at the very beginning when you're figuring it all out because and you're just learning as you go. And I, I loved I loved that part of my career. I love that. I remember. And you're right. We we do have very similar stories. And I remember when I first started out, my dad would have me, we went to Pacific Coast Highway and I'd drag a bag. I'd go from restaurant to restaurant, presenting whatever items I had. And it took a while to gain a little bit of traction. And when we interview for new manufacturer clients, we really struggled. And we had a strong competitive set. And it started with, uh, you know, getting little brands along the way. And we found that people are afraid of new and change. So it really took a while. When you think back to your time starting out early on, 
Was there a moment or moments where you had a breakthrough where you jumped in in terms of size or going to the next level? Oh yeah, I remember it. I remember it very well. Oh gosh, it was probably mm, twenty years ago, and we went from zero to big overnight. And uh, it was really, gosh, I hate to to sound like this, but it was because we were a young company and uh, very aggressive. We were working our tail off, and unfortunately, another company got in a lot of trouble. Well, those vendors um, had really nowhere to go, so they all took a, a chance with us, and they hired us. And we literally went from overnight to just being small to all of a sudden, you know, at a, you know, we went from first gear to, to fourth gear overnight. And that was in one market. And, and I'll tell you that with that came so many new challenges. And it was because then you have, well, you have to, you have to go forward so fast and you're not used to that. So really you just have to say, yes, what's the question? Do it and figure it out as we go. And we did. And uh, from that point forward, we were able to maintain long-term relationships with many great companies. In fact, some of them just as of recently we lost and that's been over 20 years. So, you know, yeah, it was a, it was definitely a defining moment in our career. I was glad to be a part of it because I was able to figure it out as we go. And it was just all hands on deck and we did it. You know, I, I found that the brokerage business, you know, it's, it's all about right time, right place, right circumstance. So that totally makes sense. Now, prior to this, was your dad in food service or was this kind of his first venture into food service? Where did he start off? Well, this may sound like a, a repeat from what I just said, Nick, but we have a lot more in common than you may know. My dad was also in the food business and my mother too. And both of them were in the business. My mother worked for a meat company and my dad worked for a broker. And back in the 80s, man, I mean, I'm down in the South, right? Texas, catfish is a big deal. I know that people all over the country don't understand that. But there was a day in the 80s that was, you know, catfish day. But he started out the company, and this is something that nobody really understood. And I like to share this story because we've never lost faith of, or, or the direction of who we are. He started out selling catfish, and he literally, you know, mom were sitting in a couch while I was still in school figuring it out. And said, what do we call this company? I don't know. I mean, what's a good company? We're going to sell stuff from a lake. Maybe someday we'll sell something from land. We'll call the company Lakeland. And it's funny because the story and the name was driven by that, and it stayed committed. And, and when we started to expand into multiple markets, you know, I asked my partners, which are awesome partners, is this something that we need to look at doing and just recreate all new? And they said, no, the brand is strong. It's good. It, it's neutral, and that's why we kept that. So my dad was in the business prior to it, but like your dad, when you go from working from somebody to waiting on that first commission check, and then waiting on the second, and waiting on the third, it's really it's a long wait, and it's a risk. And when you have kids that are in high school or going into college, it tells you about the guys that do the heavy lifting, right? It's not guys like us our parents did the heavy lifting to get us to this level. We get the fun part, but they really gritted it out and grinded it. So yeah, that's Definitely. what they did. And did you guys start in Dallas? Is that where you started? Yeah, in Dallas. This is where it got started. The, the brand got started in Dallas. 
it's still here. <clears throat> this is our headquarters for the uh, for the country, and uh, yeah, that's everything. Not everything. I mean, we don't consolidate. You know, the thing about our model, which is completely different, is that we have an owner in every market. I got the best partners across the country. We've got like twenty-seven locations. Man, if you could ever, if you could ever handpick the best partners, you would handpick who I've got. So yeah, the uh, the brand was. Started out of Dallas, but it has expanded to all over the country. I love that. Twenty-seven locations. Now, you know that's that's quite a few. How did you go from starting in Dallas in one market and getting into a second market and beyond from there? You know, Nick, we share with this because we've been doing this for a long time now. When we, you know, when we decided that we needed to expand, it wasn't because we wanted to; it was because we needed to. But we had to develop a model that was created for a long-term plan, successions. You know, we're not here to sell. We're not going to sell the company. We, we needed to come up with a formula that was so simple that, and where everybody, you know, has skin in the game. I mean, we need everybody's equity in the company, right? That's what's critical. And we developed a model and we sketched out on a piece of paper here in Dallas. And I called in the, the uh, surrounding markets from, you know, Texas and, and Oklahoma and, and a few others. And I sat him around our table and I said, you know, I know that you guys have been in business a long time. And I was really young at the time. I was probably like, you know, early 30s. said, I know that y'all know more than I do, but here's this thing I thought about. And I think we could work together. And we started. When we started that, we literally just went one market at a time. Because what was important to us was not to put a dot on a map. That was not mm-hmm. important to us at all. And we originally thought, well, we'll just stay in Texas and Oklahoma. Well, then it started to grow. And when you get opportunities to partner with people that are better than you, smarter than you, no more than you do, and they say, I want to be a part of this, you're crazy not to do that. And it was it was not as challenging as people may think. And people still wonder how we do it. It's easy. I mean, for us just have great partners who are all have the same vision. We're all aligned and uh, man, we all just lean into each other. I love that. You know, you see on the news or on television companies going out and buying other companies or partnering with others. And so sometimes it might be feel foreign or feel difficult to do. When you sat down with these companies or these people, what was the value proposition that you would give to them? Well, I mean, just candidly, I mean, everybody needs help. And anybody that is too arrogant to accept help from others is is not probably the, the smartest people. We just we started we, we started gaining momentum. And when we started gaining momentum, we started getting recognized by our customers, by our vendors, by other people, and they had a need and our culture with our people and our partners is a long-term plan and so we had to make sure that we were partnered with the right people and reputation is everything the one thing about it is that we preach in our meetings we have two in-person meetings every year in different locations we just got back from arizona and i'll tell you man you know not to go off grid here but when i was on my flight back from arizona Allison went with me. That's the first trip she's been with me, gosh, in, in forever. But it was just a nice place. I looked at her and I said, you know, how do, how do I get so lucky? Why do I deserve to be around these people, right? And when you start feeling it, it's everybody had the same needs, which was 
a lot of second, you know, a lot of the people that uh, our partners that are in Lakeland are second generation companies who are not for sale. We don't want, that's not what we're after. We're after the independent model. We're after best, you know, broker, best market. You can do it in one or you can do it in 27 markets. So it, it was uh, the proposition. It really wasn't trying to sell somebody on partnering. It truly was organically just partnering. And we always tell everybody we're married. Some cases where we partnered, there was no depth, no succession in place. Well, we were able to provide that solution. So there's just many different ways, but it, it was really just about feeling the right person because if you're going to get married, it's not a divorce, right? Mm -hmm. This is going to last forever. So you got to make sure you marry the right one. And we were really lucky. Again, man, I say this, and, and if you ask anybody within our footprint, it's a very unique situation. It's a unique relationship. And, man, it's, it's, it's pretty special. I'm, I'm telling you, man, it is a special company. And not just that. A lot of it also is our people. Man, when you start talking about our Lakeland people, you see them at shows. You see them at locations. They all have the black on silver. They got the S1 now on the front, but this one, because we had it, I had to put the S1 on the side, but we, we all have the same look. And the thing about it is that we're in front of an audience, especially we have smiles on our face. We're working hard and we're happy to be there. I mean, people like working for independent companies, right? I mean, there is no mile long of stuff to do. You can come in anybody's office and get an answer immediately. And uh, anyway, I could go on forever. I love talking about, the company, I love being a part of it. It's it's an easy it's an easy proposition when you talk to people about what we have going on. For sure, and let's go a little deeper on that. You know, in terms of trying to find happy and productive people, what is it when you interview people that you look for? Well, when we go to hire people, it's a, a lot of it is a gut feel, right? I mean, <clears throat> you know, you got to know. I mean, everybody interviews daily. Right. So, you know, that the, the, the scripted questions, the scripted answers are going to be there. A lot of it is gut feel. When we look for something, somebody, we look for a couple of things. We look for some experience. Right. I would love to have a person with minimum five years of experience. We look at all kinds of stuff. We look at like new. And this just came back to me in a meeting I was in Philadelphia a few weeks ago. And it was from a president of a company said, you know, when you start looking at people, maybe not always experience is the number one thing to look for because if somebody is from a different career and they make a commitment to come to your company they're making a big commitment to switch their career to the food business so you should really keep that open and and understand that fresh eyes fresh voice ideas are really what the future is all about if you're always looking forward then you need to have people that are behind you that have a fresh look on things. Because, man, today, today's world and environment, 2023, we may think if you've been in the business 30 years, you know everything about the business and, and, and you've got it all together, you got it all figured out, but you really haven't figured anything out. Because there's younger people like you, Nick, that are in the business and, and your generation that is coming with some very innovative, new, fresh ideas that we need to incorporate and use. You know, we just had our sales one meeting not too long ago. And one of the things that we're preaching in sales one and Lakeland is BI, right? And that's business intelligence. 
So how do we put this together to be better? So, um, you know, there's just, there's a lot of stuff that goes into looking at, at people, but I will tell you that a lot of it is a gut feel. You can feel the pulse of the person when, when they're talking to you and looking at their resume, man, I'm telling you, there's so many people that have been one year here, two years there, and that's it. Those get, those don't normally get looked at. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned the acronym BI. What does, what is that? And what does it mean for your team and for your manufacturer clients? Yeah. So business intelligence is really something that we're working on. You know, at Sales One and at Lakeland, we we have all the intelligence that you need. We have all the sophistication that you need. We have every resource through computers, through CRMs, through, uh, man, you name it, we own it and we use it. So we're using that intelligence, right? And that is business intelligence. And one of the things that we're doing here and we're really going to work on for 2023 is filling gaps. That's critical. We want to make sure that if we're looking in a region or we're looking in a state and or we're drilling it down to a city and the vendors that we have have gaps that are not being filled by our customers, we want to know why. We want to go in and we want to ask that customer, is it just simply that, you know, it, 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 we've never presented it? Or is it something you didn't know about? But if it's if it's working, we want to fill gaps. And business intelligence is using things that you can use your tools and in using them to make sure that we don't miss anything. And I think that's part of the future of the way that this business is going is looking at technology, technomics and statistics and saying, okay, how do we do better? Rather than just kicking in a door to a back, you know, kitchen and saying, buy this. And um, it, it really needs to be more of a strategic alignment of what works and having the documentation to back up what you're saying. Totally makes sense. Going back to your team for a moment, I recently had Ivan Estrada with King's Hawaiian on the podcast and went into detail with Ivan on, you know, if you look at his team, they very much embrace the King's Hawaiian brand. They are really raving fans you can see it on social media. You can see it out in the trade, in front of customers. It's infectious. And I feel like you have a piece of that. What is it that you do that creates that excitement and that buzz for your people around Lakeland and Sales One? So maybe someone out there who's listening and, and thinking, well, how do I get my team members to be like that? What, maybe what are some tactics or strategies that you use to achieve that? You know, Nick, I mean, it, it's who you work for. It's leadership. It's all on the leaders, man. I mean, it, it really is. It takes it takes a lot of time to establish a culture. It takes a lot of time to cultivate a relationship. It takes a lot of time, but it starts at the top. And if the people at the top are not willing to lead by example in our industry, which is a blue-collar industry, and they're not able to get their hands dirty and to show the people that they're willing to do it and all we ask is, to, is that you do it with us then maybe that those people won't have the same drive the same care and the same uh, loyalty for a long-term deal um, reputation then you know when you have a good group of people and when you surround them and new people coming in by that culture it is contagious but you can't not follow and do the right thing. I mean, you can't 
go against the grid <laughs> in a, an environment where you have multiple people. We have over 200 people in, in Lakeland. We have 336 in um, sales one. And, and I'll tell you, kind of like what I said before, if you walk by any show across the country, you're going to see it that, at that booth. You're going to see it at sales meeting. You're going to see it in front of that customer, those people smiling. You're going to see them working hard. You have a consistent look. And they know that when you get in front of a customer, you have to do your very best. So we're proud. It, it makes me really proud to to be a part with working with these people because we don't consider it. We consider it working with them and, and not them working for us. It's alignment, getting to know the people, their family. Um, man, and just, you know, buying in. I mean, you know, buy into the program. Yeah, that makes sense. So one thing that's tough about the the brokerage business is that there could be setbacks along the way. You know, maybe you lose a brand or you lose a person. What are some of the setbacks or has, has there been any defining setback that you've had that you've taken and you learned from it and gotten better from? You know, Nick, if you've been in the business long enough every day, you wake up <laughs> with fear. I mean, <laughs> you do. If you don't care, then you don't wake up with fear. But if you care, you're going to wake up with fear. You know, nothing really catastrophic that stands out. There's been, I mean, there's been setbacks. I mean, to get where we're at and where we're going and we're right in the middle of this journey, there's a lot of setbacks, man. And, and you know, one of the things that, that kills me, and it does, and I try not to, to expose it in front of an audience, or but it just kills me is that if we lose something from based on if we do based on a performance, that kills me. Because I go home and I kick the tires, I kick everything, and I and I wonder what could we have done better? What could we have done different? And then, you know, you figure out, well, it's kind of the same boat. When you do something good, I kind of find myself asking the same question. It's like, okay, now what could I have done even better? So I don't think that complacency is, is ever uh, in my vocabulary. I think we're always trying to be better. But we've, we've had some setbacks. When I lose a, a line, not long ago, Nick, we, we lost some, some long-term relationships. And if they're watching this podcast, they'll know who it is. These are people that I've worked with for 25 years. These are people that when their childs were born, I was there. These are people that were part of my true family and who I still talk to on a daily basis. But they weren't in control. And as you know, you know, companies get bought and, and they move on. Well, when I lost these long-term relationships, that did set me back. But it also leveled me out. And it, it, it probably put me under, un, in an understanding that things are out of our control. We can control what we can control, but there are things that are, are out of our control. So it didn't, it just woke me up. Um, but I think just really a lot of little setbacks, nothing catastrophic. Because I'll be honest with you, Nick, man, I mean, the that we're moving, the setbacks are also set forwards. And when something happens, I mean, we just, we just throttle, we just work that much harder to do better. And so far, in this journey that we're we're in, we and I hate even talking about it. We have not had anything catastrophic happen to us at this point, and I hope we never will. But if we do, we'll learn from it. Of course, of course. 
Many of the people that I've had come on the podcast talk about others and having help from others and guidance from others, kind of maybe mentors or people that they look up to. In your journey here in food service, is there any mentors or people that have helped you along the way? Yeah, man, there's there's so many, Nick. I couldn't I couldn't even tell you how many. I am I am again, man, I'm the luckiest person you'll you'll interview, man. There's nobody luckier than me because over the years, personally, professionally, I just have some great people that I that I work with, that I that I hang out with. You know, I would start on the professional side of it. Obviously, if my dad didn't give me the opportunity, I wouldn't be sitting here, you know, today. Uh, so I got to give him a shout out for everything. And if he didn't have, um, you know, if he didn't have uh, the the, uh, the faith in me to buy the company when I did, you know, 18 years ago, I wouldn't be here. So I think that that would probably be the the one. The second group is, like I said, it's my partners at Lakeland. They made me better. And I wouldn't be in business right now uh, if if I hadn't surrounded myself by these great partners and this great group of people and this great network that has protected and insulated us. So I think that my my partners, um, who I have just total respect for in every market um, across the country, and then just recently – you know, over the last five years, you know, we, we partnered in a, in a group called Sales One, S1. It's the logo, a little shout out. You'll see it on all of our stuff, S1. And when I partnered with this group, it was great because what helped me about them was that I didn't have intelligence in states, major states like California, the largest state in the country, Florida, you know, I think what's that, the third, New York city new england illinois i didn't have that intelligence and we didn't have that ability to help people in those major markets so by partnering with these people they're different right different cultures you're going from the east coast to the west coast and you're dealing with different personalities you're dealing with different ideas and you're dealing with things that that will make you better so along the journey that we're on, you know, that really put us at a different level because now we can intelligently talk about trends. We can intelligently talk about resources and we can, we can, we can listen to what's happening all over the country. And that is critical information when we're, when we're sharing that to help our people to be better and our manufacturers as well. Definitely. So what is sales one and what makes them uniquely different well sales one is a is a is a group uh, it's it's a group with uh, with lakeland and we've put it together and you'll have to check out our website and go to that and that'll explain to you the locations when a vendor comes to us some some may say i want a national i need a national uh footprint well they want independent brokers right well we had to surround ourselves by the strongest independent brokers in the country and there was very few that were left with scale so when we partnered we we partnered with with great companies that that are all out there and i've even got a brochure sorry buddy i gotta get a little shout out that's our little brochure. i love it and here's here's the here's the people that are involved right there so take a good look at that that's my partners in s1 man and those are the strongest <laughs> independent brokers in the country that we can align with and we can help vendors with nationally so 
Great people too, man. Great people. So for people who are trying to get into food service or maybe new to food service, what advice would you give to them? Yeah, it's a great business. It's a great industry. I mean, you know, when you went through the pandemic, I mean, you know, if you don't think that the food business is a great industry, you know, we're all still here. And I would tell people if they're getting in, and I do tell people if they're getting into the business, because I enjoy helping like young people get moving. I, I take great pride in it. And when they come in, I would tell them there's, there's three things, two things, really, that they need. That when they start a new job, they need to have knowledge. They have to study the material, and they need to study the vendors. They need to look online. Everything's online. Study the brochures. Study them. Become an expert on what they do and with who they do it, because that is going to give them knowledge and credibility when they walk in the door to a customer, that customer is going to trust them. They have to have that. <clears throat> Number two is they have to have the ability to work hard. That means pay your price, especially when you're young, man. I mean, if you're young and you're just getting in this industry, pay your dues early and you can move up. Now, now would be the best time to be able to escalate, but you can't escalate until you are ready to escalate or you get set up for failure. Work your tail off, man. Put in the time. It's easy sometimes, like in our industry, if you wanted to go slough off or if you wanted to go uh, do something. If you wanted to not work, you could probably figure out for a short period of time how to do that. But that's not benefiting you. So I think that with working hard, um, doing it also, your energy, enthusiasm, and passion. That's the stuff that we, we, we push up here. Those three things you have to have. When you walk into a customer, you have to have those categories. So, man, just work. I mean, just make it happen. Treat it like it's going to be a career and you'll learn. And if you do that, you're going to do, you're going to do great. Definitely. And if you look back over the last couple of years, going back to the pandemic, what are some of the changes you've seen in the food service industry? Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, we're looking for people all the time and we're looking for good people. And maybe we're a little too particular because we do have a certain culture of what we're looking for, attitude of what we're looking for. I mean, there's less people in our industry right now than what there was. That's clear. Mm -hmm. There's less regional managers, there's less vendors, there's less everybody. I, I don't know if in our restaurants, I don't know um, how that's working out as well, but I would suspect there's less. Again, I think that a lot of people move to different careers, but they're starting to move back into ours because there's only so much you can do from the house. There's only so much you can do online before it becomes, you still have to be a face-to-face -face business. And that's what we do. So if you look back over the course of your career, is there anything that you say, you know what, I would probably do this differently? Nothing. Here's why. We are still in our journey. I'm right in the middle of our journey. And our journey is still building. And I don't know that we'll ever be um, satisfied with where we're at. It's not to be bigger, but it's to be better, right? Mm -hmm. We're big enough. We've got the whole country covered through our program. But we want to constantly get better. I don't know that I have any regrets because where we've gotten to this point has been earned. It's been the hard way. Swim upstream, deck against you, and our team seems to be winning. And as long as we're doing the right thing 
And we continue to do that. I have no regrets. I like where we're at. I like where we're going. I like who we are as a company. And I just, you know, I don't regret doing anything wrong over my, my shoulder because we've just done everything right. And we're going to continue that. So nothing that stands out that I could take back. Um, I mean, no, I don't regret anything. But I love, I love who, who we're with and where we're going. The direction's clear, the path is clear, and, and it's just going to get better for us, I think. So, When you look back to the beginning of your career to now, what are some of the changes that you've seen in the food service brokerage industry, and where do you think we're going as a whole? Well, that's a good question, but I can tell you, I can only speak for us. We're staffed up. <clears throat> we have plenty of staff. We have more probably than, than, than we actually need. The industry, you know, there's been a lot of venture capitalists come in to purchase companies. So the manufacturer's community is shrinking. Product offerings are shrinking. And I think that may make some, obviously, some companies better, right? Maybe there was too much. Maybe maybe our industry needed a reset. So as far as other, other sales agencies and stuff, I, I don't get too caught up in them. I mean, majority of them are owned by a venture capitalist company as well. There's not a way to make 30, 40%. If there is, it's a short-term plan for us. We're looking at a long-term plan. Um, so to me, I'm treating it like it was pre-pandemic is in terms of our staffing, because we have to have enough staff to support our our revenue, to support our vendors that need it. So we're going to do that without being asked. And I think that people are trying to profit, which is great. And that's no problem at all. Sales always outweigh that. So we're looking at the sales side of it. Where it's going to go in 2023, it's not going to be like what it was in 2022. I've been sitting through meeting after meeting after meeting after that. And if if we're waiting on that to happen, take a look at what happened at the end of 2023. The business ignited. And it was a firestorm. And there's people that can't keep caught up. They just can't keep up with that pace. Mm-hmm. We can. We like that pace. Man, we want that pace. We prefer a faster pace. But with many of these people, they can't keep up with the pace. So they're going to drop off probably even more. And companies, the expense has gotten crazy. So I, I don't know where it's going. I think that as long as you're 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 in good relationship and you have strong relationships with Key accounts through key LLOs, chains, healthcare, BNI, schools, and you have a balanced approach with your customers and your distributors. Of course, you do the best you can. And 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 for us, if things slow down from others, we're going to pick up the business. And that's what we're looking for. That's great. You mentioned 2023. You know, there's been a lot of talk in 2023 around inflation at an all-time high, a recession. What are maybe some things that you learned going through the pandemic that you can apply going into 2023? Man, I'm in Texas. So I, just, I always like to remind people where I'm at. We never stopped working. <laughs> we never fully shut down. And I hate saying that because my partners did. And, and I'm very conscientious about that. My partner's in California. My partner's up in the Northwest. My partner's in Chicago. My partner's in New England. I'm very conscientious of that. And I respect that. And they are really, uh, they really, really persevered through some tough times. And we got smarter is what we did. Um, here, we worked 
harder. We figured ways out, you know, to do things, to get out through social media, um, to get out to our customers with a, a faster approach rather than doing it all the time face to face. We figured out that we have to keep our eye on things because they're constantly changing. And we have to not take for granted that it's going to be good every day because it's not. When the pandemic hit, you know, the companies that were maybe not as stable as others, they're not here today. And, and I, that's sad. I mean, I hate that for people. I don't, I hate that. But for those that did go through it and, and came back on the other side stronger, we have to learn from that and we have to not take it for granted and we have to appreciate that we're here. Because listen, man, when you ask your people and you start thinking about how you can actually save lives. And, and I remember I was uh, uh, doing some stuff and it was when it hit. And, and I felt like one of my great vendors who's big in the K through 12 business, they were shipping truckloads of sandwiches. And all I could think about was that was actually making a difference in people's lives. They're feeding kids and might not get fed. So I think just looking at it at a little higher responsibility is the way that what I learned from it. And looking into the very distant future, if you look back on your career, what do you want to be remembered for? You know, Nick, uh, gosh, I mean, that's a tough question, man, because, you know, I don't want to be remembered. I want to be in the game. And, and I know that, you know, that, that will pass me one day. And I know that uh, that's there. But I guess not so much for work, but just in general. You know, I think I want to be, be known for uh, maybe just maybe making a small difference in somebody's life and a family and being able to help somebody contribute to their success. I think that's what everybody wants, right? You want to make a positive impact in somebody's life. And I, I think that I'd like to be known if I could do that, to do that. Uh, doing the right thing. I think that we preach it personally and we preach it at work is just do the right thing. Man. It's a lot easier to do the right thing than it is to cover up the wrong thing and just have an integrity. And if somebody says something, you know, about me personally or the company, that it would not be negative, that it would be that that company had integrity and that person had integrity and always treated people the way they should be treated and doing the right thing. So I guess, you know, a little bit of all that, but I guess that's probably consistent with what everybody wants, right? Because that's what a legacy would look like if you could leave behind a legacy. So I'm still working on it, bro. I got a long way to go for that, but I'm trying. Yeah, no, totally. You have built, I mean, just an incredible career, incredible company, you know, from your, your enthusiasm and your energy and your passion. It just really shows. And just kudos to you and what you and your partners and, and your whole team have been able to accomplish. It's truly remarkable. And Bobby, I wanted to say thank you for joining me here on today's Titans of Food Service podcast episode. It really means a lot to me. Hey, hey, thanks, Nick. And, and, and seriously, man, I'm following you guys on some social media and stuff. You're doing some really nice things uh, as well out there. And, and, and thank you for getting the word out on the food business and, and through social media and through stuff like this, because there's nobody else that's doing this. 
There's nobody else that's done this in 10, 12 years. So keeping your voice out is connecting us all back together. So thank you. Happy holidays, buddy. And uh, and let me know if I can ever be a big help. Thanks, Bobby. I, I, I appreciate it. All right. Have a good day.